0: Now this week we have Kristen coming on the show and Kristen's going to share a bunch of her experiences that she's had. Now she works in the film industry. She works on some major movies. She worked on some major TV shows for Netflix. Uh, She's really well ingrained and she has some stories to share that she experienced while she's in the movie industry. Some of the stories that she experienced with her mother. Uh, She has a wide range of accounts, even being chased out of Area 51. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the censored episode that we dropped earlier Early Morning Saturday. It's an extra bonus episode that we all decided to put together for you guys. It was me, Timothy Renner, Wes Germer, and Dark Waters. We talked about a lot of different topics, but the main topic was censorship. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to that after you listen to this show. I think you'll enjoy it. And please share it around with your friends. And to let you guys know, once again, we are going to be at Paracon in Spring City, Pennsylvania at Penhurst, Penhurst Asylum is a very well-known haunted place. It's one of the most haunted places in the world. And we're going to have a vendor's table there at Paracon. So if you're interested in coming out meeting me and all the guest speakers like Grant Wilson, go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the live events section, and go ahead and purchase your tickets there. And I'll see you there July 20th through the 21st. So now that we got all that out of the way, let's get to Kristen right now.
1: Wood Beach Resort. This is uh, not a resort. It is this old hotel. Um, so when I got in there and I, I went in, it's very opulent. It, it was built in the 1920s. I think it was 1925 it was built. Um, it's a beautiful hotel by, you know, design standards, but it's been absolutely let go. Two twin beds. Um, there was no sheets. Um, the everything was that white, um, nasty 1992 looking cabinet. The, the floor was like laminate, but it had been chipping. It was it was pretty nasty. But it was just it was it was a very creepy place. And so at the end of the couple of weeks that we were there, um, we're moving into this apartment. And so I called my mom. She was like, Mom, you know, will you come up and help me do this? And she was like, sure. And I was like, you can stay with me in my awesome hotel room. So she came up, and um, she ended up staying with me. And so she moved her stuff in, and, and, you know, this is the first night. And so, like, I think she was, I think she stayed with me only two nights. The first night, nothing happened. But the second night... So basically, we had decided to, like, go to bed early. My mom, the thing about my mom is, is, like, my mom sleeps like she's dead. So, like, when she lays in bed, she lays on her back, and then she's out cold, but she looks like she's dead. Like, you'd have to, like, you know, make sure she's still alive or something. She's like, she's done. She doesn't snore. She doesn't, she's just out. And so, I'm laying in bed, and I think my mom had been asleep at least... An hour, and all of a sudden, my mom rises up. Okay, like it's the weird. I have to describe it in the way. Like, have you ever seen somebody like they? There's laying flat, and they rise up, but like they're they're not supporting their body. They just rise in, into a sitting position. And I'm like looking at her, I'm like mom, mom, and mom. she's not responding to me. And and she's got her finger and she's pointing and she's like. Jesus name out and then she like snapped to it and she looked over at me and I was like mom what are you doing and she's like she goes in the morning packing our stuff and we're getting out of here
0: okay today I have a great guest coming on Kristen how you doing
1: great Tony how are you
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Now, you're, you're a unique person. Uh, as I got to know you and stuff, just because you work in the movie industry, you work at you know Hollywood industry, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you actually went to the, uh, the school I applied to right out of high school and decided not to go to uh, Full Sail University. I, I applied and it was accepted to go to there for um, audio production. But that's not what you went for. What'd you go for?
1: I graduated from there in 2003, um, and I went for film. So I, it's about 18 months. Went out fresh out of high school, so it was kind of like plummeting me into the real world very quickly when I was done. So
0: yeah, and that's actually why I didn't go because I graduated high school in 2003, and uh, I was 17 years old, and I would have had my own apartment in down there in Orlando. As far as I understood, they didn't have any dorms, right?
1: No, no. And I lived with my cousin. So, okay. you know, it's, yeah, it it's kind of one of, it's very expensive, but, you know, you kind of have to, they try to train you for the real world. And it certainly did train me for the real <laughs> world. That's true.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: For at least the film industry, of course.
0: Yeah, I just, I was there was just something inside of me. I was like, dude, you're 17. I cannot move to Orlando, Florida, and have my own apartment. I was like, that that's just a bad idea.
1: So <laughs> Well, there's a lot of people that go to that school that have that exact problem. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I I just. I know me and I knew I wouldn't be able to do it and so I, I decided not to. And I actually after Lindsay and I got married, I actually reapplied and I was really considering moving down there to go to that school because uh at that time my sister-in-law lived in uh Orlando and so we had some family down there, things like that. And I was really thinking about it, but I didn't and I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't just because it's just it would have been more student loan debt that I what I had to pay back because I'm still paying it back. I'm probably gonna be paying my student loans back till I'm in my 50s, so kind of sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, you've had a lot of different experiences throughout your life, and they're all you know more paranormal experiences. Uh, I know you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles, and you're a big fan of that that show. Uh, so you kind of come from things with a different perspective. But uh, before we dive into things and stuff. Uh, I just want to let the audience know that you know a lot of the things that you're going to be talking about is with a lot of you know very well known films TV shows you're currently working in the uh, industry uh, what do you do in the industry
1: well right now, I am a art department coordinator, so basically what I do is, is I oversee uh, the art department uh, we build the sets we decorate it i I'm kind of the I like to tell people who watch Game of Thrones the best way to understand what I do for a living is: is I'm the hand of the king. <laughs> okay. I basically, yeah, I'm basically like the right hand person to the art director and the designer, and I'm the make it happen person. But it wasn't always that case, you know. When I first got out and got into the business, I was a, an assistant, and I had to go get coffee and get lunch, and you know, pay my dues just like the next person. Yeah, and no.
0: I know we're not supposed to be talking about this stuff, but, uh, I just, you know, with that aspect of things, you starting out as an assistant and stuff in those moments of being an assistant, did, did you ever feel like you were never going to get where you're at now? Did you ever feel like this is pointless? I'm just getting coffee kind of thing. Or did you kind of have a long-term vision with what you were doing?
1: You know, everybody I think has moments where they feel that way, um, but I always knew in my heart that this is where I was supposed to be. And this is what I was supposed to be doing. So I, I just kept going and there's, you know, I guess there could be a whole podcast just on how to survive in the film business. But um, I, you know, I had highs, I had lows and I just kept going, but I always knew even to this day, you know, this is where I'm meant to be. And I've had real people, you know, jobs working, you know, I've, in regular places you know I say regular I don't mean that in an offensive way but like I come from show business but like I've ha- I've held like a nine to five job um and it just for me it wasn't it, I wasn't fulfilling what I felt like my purpose was so if that makes sense like I just always knew you know so it always gave me comfort to kind of think I'll just keep going at it you know i until the day I starve I'm still gonna try yeah <laughs> so it's all I need. Yeah.
0: No, I I totally get it. And the reason why I ask that stuff is because I I talk to a lot of people, obviously with my show and a lot of people, you know, email me things like that. And you you get some people that are either thinking about starting a podcast or, you know, even my younger brother who's working to own a a company himself. uh, I, I always tell people that you have to have. Micro efforts with macro vision. Uh, you have to. Ha- you have to be. You have to be playing this game for the the long term. Uh, you have to see that success is five years down the road, uh, even though you got to work in the present. Like success is going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I think too many people, you know, they get so narrow minded with what's going on in the immediate that they don't they have a hard time projecting what's going to happen five years from now. If you keep on putting that effort in uh, and, and things don't magically happen, you got to put time and effort in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why I, go, I, I'm really big on, on that kind of stuff. And I know this isn't that kind of show, so I'll just move on. <laughs> but anybody who's no,
1: but it's true though, it- it's, I I think that if one thing to say on this subject before moving on though, is that anybody out there who wants something in life, you have to be able to go for it. You have to like take the risk because I, you know, I was a kid, I grew up in Florida and I was as far away as Holly, you know, from Hollywood as you can get. I was 3000 miles away. It's the other side of the country. And, you know, I had, I had all kinds of things going against me. I wanted to be in the art department. I was a woman, you know, don't even get me started, but, I mean I I fought for it and I think that if you want to do something with your life you have to just go for it otherwise you'll never know that you, and failure is not about you know anything but just trying and picking yourself back up and and you have to fail in order to succeed you know
0: Exactly. I mean, failure is part of learning. Uh, there's a, I think there's a, yeah, it's a book that I read in my early 20s. It's called "Fail," "Failing Forward," or "Learning to Fail Forward," or something like that. And it's basically taking every situation that that you're in, whether you're succeeding or failing, and finding something to learn from it. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it it, it takes you know time and effort. Even with my podcast, I mean, I I'm, I legit work 60 plus hours a week, just driving truck, where I can't do anything with the podcast. And then I have my family. And then I have the podcast. And it takes a lot of time and effort. And the patrons know it. They see it. They see me do these interviews and things like that. Uh, they know the effort that I put into this stuff. And it's like, a lot of people at work, they're, they're like, why do you do it? Where do you find the time? And it's like, when you're passionate about something, like, you, you don't worry about being tired. You know, what I mean, it, being tired is just the norm. Because you're doing something that you enjoy doing. It's not, it's not a burden. It's, it's just a rite of passage. You know, the being tired is just part of that process. And, uh, you know, that's just the way uh, I look at things. What did you say? I said it's very true. If only you knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I mean, you messaged me yesterday, and you say I we're still good for tomorrow, but I am extremely tired. I should be good though. So I'm glad we're doing this. And uh, you know, let's just jump into things here. Uh, you had several different things happening uh, throughout your life, even when you were a little girl. But we're gonna put that one aside for a little bit. And uh, let's let's do. Do you want to start with the uh, Ambassador Hotel, or do you want to start with the uh, Hollywood Beach Resort that you were living in?
1: No, it's definitely start with the ambassador. Um, Take it away. Can I do it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go for it.
1: Cool. Well, you know, it's often that like we've been talking about the whole, you know, film and school and whatnot, because this particular incident came for me um, very, very early on in my career. Um, I had just to kind of let the listeners understand the context of kind of what I was going through and where I was at at the time. Um, I had moved to Los Angeles right after I graduated from college. Um, I I fought really hard to get a job right out of school because my father, even though we laugh about it now, my dad would threaten me and say, "You know, if you don't get a job, you're coming back to Sarasota, Florida, and you're gonna, you know, work at the local news." And I was like, "No way! <laughs> you, you gotta be That's the last thing I'm gonna do." So I I worked just terribly hard to like make connections and um and get myself out there and it paid off I mean I ended up getting hired on my first feature it was with Paramount Pictures um I was uh just turned 20 years old um and I flew out to Los Angeles and I ended up working on this movie and while I was there I ended up uh, becoming very good friends with the set decorator, and she and I just we were two kindred spirits. Like we just really connected. Um, and so the first year of me living in Los Angeles, uh, I was struggling as an assistant. I was an art department PA, and I was trying to find my place. Um, and it and it was kind of tough going because you know you don't have a network. You're all that way away from your family. Um, I didn't have any friends and I, the only friends that I did have were these people that I was working with. And so um, I ended up uh, getting a phone call from her uh, the following fall. This was about a year into my living in Los Angeles. And she could, she called me and she said, I'm working on this movie. Um, and I really would like for you to come and to be my step decorating coordinator. And then what that meant was a big bump up for me, and I wasn't going to get into the union. Um, there was an issue. I mean, this is like aside from anything ghost related, but I, the whole thing was is they were supposed to uh, be able to grandfather me in the union, and she really wanted for that to happen for me, and so it didn't happen, and um, I ended up coming onto this humongous movie, this action movie, um, as this uh, set decorating coordinator, and so. Uh, We ended up moving into this uh, old kind of 1920s production office that was in West Hollywood. And uh, I because I was, you know, working in just that decorating, I was kind of sequestered into the back room. Um, There was French doors. It was just a, a big open area. Um and it was just me and the decorator and um and then the art department they were kind of out in the hallway and down into another room but I wasn't really with them. Um but every single day we would eat together and there was kind of um th- it was really nice because you know I would be doing my own thing and uh working very hard and then lunchtime would roll around and we would all sit together um as a department. And so um, I came onto that movie about a month late. So basically what happened was, is by the time I came on, they were already scouting locations. Um, so for everybody who doesn't understand how the film industry works, the production designer, the director and the producers and the DP, they all go out um, on preliminary scouting. So they go and they pick these locations. So if, the, if it's scripted that they need to be in a bar, they'll go and look at like five bars um, and they'll do this every single day until they've chosen all of their locations. And then the company, which that's what we call the big giant group of us in production company, goes on a tech scout. And the tech scout is designed for the grips and the electrics and all these people to see where the power is and for the transpo people to know where they can park the trailers. Um, so it's one of those things. So I had when I had come on, they had just come back. The designer um and, and the DP and all them had just come back from scouting the ambassador hotel. And for those of you who don't know your history, the ambassador hotel is where Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Um, it is, it was a landmark in Los Angeles. It's no longer there. Um, but, uh, it was a big deal. And, uh, at the time, this is a, right around 2004, um, It was about a year before they ended up demolishing it. But, um, at the time it was just basically used for filming. Um, they had shot some episodes of CSI there and, um, a couple other movies, but, um, you know, it, it was pretty run down and decrepit at that point. So when, um, they had come back and they had said, Oh, we, you know, we just went to the ambassador and, uh, we got a, we got a tour, like the location manager arranged for them to be able to go, um, Through the embassy room, uh, which is where Robert Kennedy had had his um, rally before he was assassinated. And then the location manager had taken them back into the kitchen and showed them the area. Well, you know, at the time, we didn't have digital cameras and cell phones, kind of like everybody has handy now. So, you know, the designer came in and he handed the production assistant a bunch of those disposable cameras. And he said to her, he goes, you know, go get these developed. Uh, We need to uh, pull the best photos and put them up on the reference wall. And so she did. And it was like a day later and there was, you know, she came back from having them developed and she's going through them. And I remember she comes in, she's like, am I crazy? Or is there a face in this photo? And I looked at it and I was like, yeah i'm like what is this and she's like she's like this is from all the pictures they took in the kitchen i was like are you serious she's like yeah and so we went and we showed it to the coordinator we showed it to some of the other people that were in the office and they're like oh my god there's a face in this picture and so basically to kind of like describe it they had taken a photo of the floor where Robert Kennedy, where Robert Kennedy had died. Um, and I guess like the location manager had said to them, like, this is the vicinity in the kitchen, blah, 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 where it had happened. And so they were taking pictures. So this is a picture of a floor and there's kind of like, you know, st- I f- kind of like remember there being like trash kind of in the background of the photo. And then uh, you could see the feet of whoever took the picture. And then in the, I believe it was in the yeah the right hand corner of the photo there was like this white plasma looking it wasn't a face in the sense that like you would see details of like you know you couldn't tell who it is like i I would be lying to you if i was like that was so and so it wasn't it was <laughs> just like this plasma yeah it was like this plasma white whitish gold looking orb but it had black Eye sockets and a black mouth. And it was so eerie. Yeah. So after that happened, like they ended up like putting that photo up in the art department, and everybody was like, this is, you know, the haunted hotel and whatnot. But the thing is, is that I'm a big history nerd. So aside from them all being like, we got a face in our photo, I was like, I totally had forgotten that that hotel was as famous for, you know, being, you know, the site of Robert Kennedy's assassination. And it was also famous because that's where Marilyn Monroe was discovered. So it had, it was a pretty awesome place to go. So that being said, um, we we were like already shooting. And so what happens is the set decorating, usually we go into the location probably like a day or two, depending on the schedule, uh, to dress. And I had been putting in a lot of time at work. Um, It was my first bump up. I wanted to, you know, make everybody happy. I wanted to, you know, do a good job. So um, I was at the production office. and It was like around nine o'clock. And I get a phone call from the decorator. And she says to me, you have to come down to this hotel. She goes, it's incredible. She goes, you have to see this. If you're not going to come to set in the morning, you have to come now and i was pretty wiped out like at this point the last thing i wanted to do was like go you know down to the ambassador which was you know wasn't in the best part of town you know it wasn't like great but um i did and i got down there it was around 9 9:30 and uh they were um for those who kind of need to understand the layout of the ambassador hotel basically it when you drive in there's these there's the main hotel there's the coconut grove which is very famous um And then uh, to the left, when you came in, there were these bungalows. And I think that originally those bungalows were more of like administrative offices, but they later, I don't, I don't know what they were used for, but they basically looked for, looked like two story little apartments. So they were dressing that. Um, And that's where I went first. So that's where the decorator was. And so I went over there. And they're all like, Christian, come in, come in, come in. You've got to see this place. And I walked up the stairs and it was so humid in there. You would think like a fall day in Los Angeles, there was, you know, it was not supposed to be like that. But I walked in there and I was like a flashback to Florida. Like I just was sweating. And so one of the um, set dressers said to me, she's like, you got to come back in this room. She's like, it's freezing back here. And I was like, what do you have the AC on? she's like no no it's weird she's like it keeps moving around and so you know they brought me up and they brought me into the room where they were going to shoot and sure enough you know it was real cold in this one spot but it wouldn't like stay there like it would kind of like disappear and then like you'd walk around the room and it was hot and humid next thing you know you walked into a wall of cold and so they were all talking about it and of course working themselves up and so the decorator, she comes to me and she goes, This is not what I want you to see. She goes, I got to take you into the hotel. And so we ended up walking into the hotel and I'm thinking she's like going to give me a tour. Right. And so uh, we start walking down this corridor and she stops me and she's like, I have some bad news for you. I'm like, Oh my God, what is she going to tell me? And she says to me, She goes, You know, the coordinator is, uh, She's not very happy that um, you're not in the union and she feels like she's taking on a lot of work that had a union person been in your position, she wouldn't necessarily have to do. So she's complained. And when we move our unit to Las Vegas, they have to replace you with with a union person. See, I'm like, she just like delivered the hardest news to me. And I was like, oh my God, I'm losing my job. And so I was a little like in a bad spot at that moment. And she's telling me this in the middle of this hotel when this long corridor, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Um, it's, it's just me and her, there's not another soul in this place. And she says to me, she's like, don't worry about it. You're not going anywhere right now. At least minimum I'll keep you on as an assistant, but you just can't go to Las Vegas. She's like, I don't want you to get upset. Um, I wanted you to come down here and see the hotel, but I do. I just, I also felt like it was time for me to tell you what was going on. And so she's like, do you want to see the set? She's like, you know, let's walk down and let's go. And we were shooting this bathroom. And so, um, they were in there dressing and putting in the lights and she's like, come with me. She's like, let's go down there and let's see the, the bathroom. And I'm like, okay. So obviously she's like ahead of me three or four paces walking towards where they're dressing And we're walking down the hallway and I'm like, now I'm upset and I'm trying to hold it in and I'm trying to keep it together. And so I'm keeping my distance. I'm trying to like pull it together. I didn't want her to see the emotion on my face. I didn't want her to see the defeat. Apparently, you know, like I was 20 years old and I wanted to just cry. Um, But um, as we're walking down, we were passing this cafe and The cafe is, uh, like, everything in this hotel looks like they literally just left. Like, like, it was like everybody in there was raptured or something in 1975. I mean, the shag carpeting, there was, it was, it smelled like the 70s. I mean, cigarette smoke. It it just, it looked like a time machine, a time capsule. And so we were walking past this cafe. It was all uh, clear windows. And there was painting, like, you know, the um, that paint that you can, like, write on windows with. Um, so, like, it had the name of the cafe, but it was all worn off. And so I was looking at my reflection as we're walking, and she's ahead of me. And I, I'm kind of trying to see through the glass, and I'm trying to look into what's in that room. And as soon as I, like, my eyes adjusted, there was a woman walking behind me. And I, even though the whole thing happened within a blink of an eye, I still to this day remember her in every detail that I saw. It was the most incredible thing. But when we were walking and I looked over, behind me, as many paces as I was behind my friend, the decorator, was this girl, this, this woman. Um, she must have been at least 13, 14 years old. Um, and she had long blonde hair and it was perfectly wavy. I mean, it was like, it looked as if her hair was styled that way. It didn't look frizzy. She had golden blonde hair and she was wearing a white, uh, like, um, her, her dress was like a, a drop waist. Like it it looked very 1920s almost nineteen thirties look, but it was white and it had lace embroiderments on it. Um and as soon as I realized that there was somebody behind me, I turned around and looked down the hallway and there was nobody there. And it just made my heart skip a beat. I was like, oh my God, did I just see what I just saw? Like I, I I was like in absolute shock. And so my friend, she turns around and she's like, Are you coming? I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Um, who else is in this hotel? And she's like, you know, she's like, so, so-and-so, you know, like the the dressers. And I was like, okay. I was like, is that it? I'm like, nobody else is here. And she's like, no. She's like, well, what's wrong? And I was like, no, nothing. Cause like I at this point. I, I was like, I'm already upset. She's going to say I'm crazy. So I'm like not going to even like tell her what I just saw. And so we ended up going on went to, into the, you know, the bathroom, which they were dressing. And, um, you know, the set dresser's up there. He's like doing the lights. And, and he's like, he says to her, he's like, we're going to have a real problem tomorrow. She's like, why? And he's like, well, I can't get the lights to work. He's like, every time we put it, every time we have to change the light bulb. It, it burns out or the lights are flickering. He's like, I, it's not a controlled environment. He's like, I don't think that any of this is going to be very practical for tomorrow. And so they they went on talking about it and I'm just like over in the corner. Now I'm like just being a ghost. At least I thought I did. And I got told I'm not even going to have a job soon. So I was like, I don't know what to be disturbed more about, you know? So, um, the next day the company rolled in and they're shooting and the actor, our lead actress, she, and this, I wasn't there for this. So at this point, what i'm telling you is that gossip so i just want to put a like a warning label on (laughs) okay but so this is what i heard um back because all all of us crew people just so everybody knows we're the biggest bunch of gossips on the planet like if you want to know dirt on an actor you know ask a gaffer or something like ask (laughs) ask the supervisor on a on a tv show or on a movie because like We see everything and everybody always knows. But anyway, so what they told me happened was the lead, who is a very famous actor, um, she refused to go in there because it was absolutely like major skin crawl to be in that bathroom. The electrics couldn't get, you know, any of the power to be like working consistently um they said that the generators were constantly like not they were like malfunctioning um they just the whole entire shoot was just struggling to have you know any sort of like consistency like they just like the lights were flickering and um everybody's hair was standing up on the back of their neck and so the actor was like i'm not going in there i'm gonna go do my lines and then i'm out And so they went, shot her scene, and then she was like, get me out of here. And she refused from that point to step back into that hotel. And so, as you can see, it was like talk of the movie after that of like, oh, this is what happened at the ambassador. Um, But honestly, they ended up tearing that thing down uh, a year or so later. And it's really sad because if, if you go on you go on the internet and you do a simple Google search and you look at it, it was really a beautiful historical building. Um, but the Kennedy family, they, I guess, petitioned or something to have that, that building destroyed.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Um, it's not there anymore. Apparently, I guess if you want to really get into Hollywood lore, um, the site is is haunted. Um, I can confirm to you it's haunted from my own personal experiences, but I don't know about it anymore. I mean, it's just a school now. But um, after that happened to me, though, um, it, it just got worse. Honestly, I really believe that whatever I saw um, followed me home, um, and and you know, what, I I kind of like at the time would have told you that it was her specifically that that spirit. Um, I don't know now in my old age that I believe that it was a specific person, (laughs) maybe more of a demon or whatnot. Um, but when I got back to my apartment, I lived at the time, um, in Hollywood and actually my apartment was across the street from, um, one of the, the Roosevelt, um, which is a very famous hotel. And then uh, the Chinese theater is across from there. And then, so basically I was right. A block or two away from uh, Hollywood Boulevard. And so, um, when I got home, I was dating this guy at the time and we were, I had been telling him, you know, about, I told him about what happened. And of course he was like, you're, you're crazy. You know, this is, this is bonkers stuff coming out of you. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. But you know, I'm the type of person that's like, this is what I saw, you know, get over it. So, um, I had told him the whole story and he ended up uh, staying the night with me. And I had this weird kind of thing that somebody gave me. It was this little tiny Yoda. Um, Apparently uh, somebody had worked on a star Wars movie like forever ago. And they had this Yoda and then they gave it to someone who gave it to someone. And then somehow I ended up having it. And so i Put this thing on my dresser, and I would wake up in the morning, and it would be in the kitchen. And I would, I would be like, "How does this get out here?" I yell at my roommate. And she's like, oh, "I'm touching your stuff," you know. This typical, you know, roommate squabbles or whatever. And so I basically was like, "How? Who's moving this thing?" I'm like, it, "Am I like losing my mind that I'm thinking like maybe I'm moving it myself?" But it wasn't significant enough for me to be like, "I'm," you know, "Why would I even take it off my shelf?" You know. So I was telling my boyfriend at the time, I was like, you know, about how I thought my roommate was messing with me. I'm like, she keeps taking this little Yoda and moving it around. I'll like find it in the kitchen or I'll find it in the living room. And he's like, she's not messing with you. I'm like, he's like, you're just probably forgetting about it or whatnot. And He's like, it's in your head. And no sooner did he say that. And we're laying in bed. And basically I had this The apartment that I lived in was like Melrose place. I don't know if anybody ever saw Melrose place, but it was like an apartment around a pool. So there was no like wind where you could, you know, breeze that would come through or whatnot. So I had the window open. I had a box fan into the window and then the window was like shut onto the box fan. So it was nice and tight. And then, so we were laying in bed and we're talking about this and it's like, I don't know, midnight or whatnot. And all of a sudden, The box fan flies out of my window upward, not downward, upward so violently that the cord yanks it back. And he jumps out of bed. He's like, oh, my God. He's like, what was that? And honestly, after that happened to me, that's when I was like, something's wrong. Like this is I was like putting two and two together at that point. I was like, this is not right. And so he picks up the box. He puts it back in the window. And he, he was like, okay, that was weird. I have to, I have to be honest with you. That was weird. There's no wind outside. There's no reason for that box fan to just go flying out the window like that. And so, you know, you like calm down, let it go. Um, The roommate that I accused of moving (laughs) that little thing around, she ended up being kind of bonkers of a person Um, for another day. A story for another day. I ended up coming home, same movie I was working on when this whole thing happened, and found Vince Vaughn in my kitchen. What? Uh, yes, yeah, this is a whole other story. I like my sisters all love to listen to it, but she picked him up in a nightclub or something, and then he was. I came home, I flipped on the light, and this man is in his boxers in my kitchen, in my refrigerator, <laughs> and he looks at me, and I'm like what and i was like no, i was just like and he and then she comes running out and she's like go to your room." so anyway yeah. he and i've been fighting she she was one of those typical hollywood people just you know to clarify like she was she was uh one of those people that like you know didn't have anything going on in her life so she just dated people who did so um she and i had this huge falling out and i was moving and it was partially over this whole, you know, like, accusing her of getting into my stuff. And then she had, like, random people, random except for, I guess, one Vincent in my apartment. Like, but random guys. She even brought home the this, this stunt double of Spider-Man one time. I don't even, like, it was so weird. Wow. But, um, being, yeah. So, we had this huge falling out. And she basically, I was like, I'm going to move and you can keep this apartment and the crazy activity that's going on in here. And I had this chair. And so this chair was given to me um, by my best friend growing up. her mom had given me this chair and I brought it from Florida with me. So I needed to sell it. And I took a picture of it. And this huge orb, like ball of light was sitting in the chair. And that's when I knew that I, whatever I saw at the ambassador hotel followed me home. I knew it. And it wow. scared the living daylights out of me. And so I ended up just deleting, I I deleted the photo off of my, I think I had like just gotten an iMac or whatever. So I was starting to get technological. <laughs> sounds sounds so stupid. <laughs> just even like suggest, like I didn't have like technical skills back then, but I did. Um, but it scared me. It honestly scared me. And so I got rid of it. I got rid of the chair. I moved. And then after I moved, the activity went away. It, like never happened ever again. So you know, it was it was crazy, but I really do believe that she followed me home.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, so you. Oh my gosh. That, there's so many things you said there. That I'm just like I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, the, are you sure that you weren't looking at Marilyn Monroe? I'm just asking. You <laughs> know.
1: No, no, no. A hundred percent because it, it was, she was, she was like 13, 14 years old. She was tall and thin and um, she was wearing, the dress was so specific. It was so specific. It was this long uh, drop away dress. It, she looked like she was something out of the 1920s. She really did. Hmm. I mean, other than the fact that her hair was long, it wasn't up. So,
0: I mean, what makes you think that, whatever that was that was behind you and walking behind you at the hotel, I mean, why, I mean, you've had plenty of time to think about this. Why do you think it followed you home? I mean, it's like... I, I, I'm fairly certain that most people have been in locations that have some kind of entity at them, whether they saw them or not. You, Most people probably have been around something and they just didn't even know it. And But for it to, I guess, expose itself to you to the point where it follows you home, does the stuff at the apartment, you move out, you get it on a picture. Like, like why? Like what, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it's just random selection?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I have had time to think about this because I, I think that she was drawn to me because I was upset. I had been going through some stuff on that movie. And so if, you know, this This podcast would have to be very long <laughs> for me to explain that, but it was not easy for me. I was really struggling because um this coordinator that I was working with i mean i didn't i was a kid okay I didn't understand hierarchy or how the film business worked i mean this was like my fourth fourth show that I had done, so I was still learning and I didn't understand why um they, you know, why it was a problem that I wasn't in the union because I was working hard, you know, and I understood, you know, what I wasn't doing, you know, like I wasn't doing her budget and all that stuff, but I didn't understand why that was a problem for her. So I felt attacked and, you know, and I felt like I had been working so hard to like do such a good job because I was trying to prove myself. And to hear this, um, coming from somebody who I knew defended me. Like I knew she went to bat for me. Um, I was heartbroken. Um, so I think, I think that, um, maybe that has something to do with it. But then the funny thing is, is that over the years, I've also wondered if maybe it had nothing to do with the ambassador hotel and maybe had everything to do with me, that this whatever spirit I saw was attached to me and not the hotel.
0: But you didn't notice anything before you saw the spirit, right? Like you didn't notice any activity in your life before that.
1: No. And I mean, I honestly was oblivious to it. I think that, you know, I, um, I was so into working and hustling and trying to make this career. I was oblivious to anything. It wasn't until I actually saw it that I was like aware of these little things that started to happen. You know, the fan could be totally unrelated, but. I had slept in that room. We lived in that apartment for like two years, every single night. And we didn't have AC in that apartment because in Los Angeles, you know, we didn't, if you only really have AC, if you live in the Valley and we lived in an old apartment in Hollywood, so we had the breeze coming up off the ocean and in that apartment never got hot. So we, we always had our windows open. And so there was no, that fan never fell out of that window and that fan never got dislodged. And so when he and I were laying in bed and that thing just violently punched itself out of the window upward, so much so that the cord gained it back, I just couldn't help but wonder, you know, it was just at the same moment we're having a discussion about me having these experiences. So I just, I felt like it was all connected.
0: Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I mean, just the fact that this thing, uh, it shows itself to you whether it was with you beforehand or not. And then, you know, you start having that different activity and stuff at the house. And then Vince Vaughn shows up at your apartment. That had to be paranormal. Now, <laughs> it's definitely against the norm, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, I yeah. mean,
1: it was, it was definitely weird.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, it's just it's just the crazy def- it's definitely a crazy story and uh I know that's not the only thing you had going on here. I know recently, I think you said it was in 2012, uh something happened involving your mom. Uh did you want to get into that now?
1: Yeah. So, basically after, you know, this whole incident, um I would say, you know, I didn't really have any activity after that and if I did I certainly wasn't uh, aware of it you know I wasn't like pointing the finger like spirits you know so um I ended up um moving back to Florida and uh I got I got some work down in Miami and I ended up moving to Miami and I got um on this Popular Florida show at the time, um, and when I when I moved down to Miami, it was kind of like you get the phone call, "Hey, are you available?" and you're like, "Yes," and they're like, "Okay, start Monday," and it's like Saturday, and you're like, "Oh my God, mode, <laughs> how am I going to do this?" And this happened a lot early in my career. So I at the time at this time, like fast forward, I'm in the union now. So now I'm an art department coordinator, um, and so they called me for this job. And they're like, can you start? And I did. And so I I moved down there and I, you know, went on Craigslist, which is probably not a great idea now in hindsight. But I went on Craigslist and I found this room for rent. And I emailed the girl and I was like, hey, I'm working on this television show. Can, you know, I move in like Monday and here's all this money to tell you I'm not a weirdo. And so I ended up moving in with this girl and she was very nice. But she had this roommate that was not very nice. And she just was absolutely out of control. And so here I am, I'm working a tough schedule. like uh, this show was one of those very rare occasions where you're working the 14 hour days. And so I would get up early in the morning. I'd go to work and I wouldn't get home until like, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Sometimes we would have a scout. I wouldn't get home until midnight. So I was pulling very long hours and uh, the show was coming to an end and I had about two weeks left and um, I I ended up kind of getting so stressed out at work that one day, because I can sometimes, I admit, be a little bit of a hypochondriac, <laughs> okay, I'm sitting at my desk and I was like, oh my God, I'm losing a feeling in my face and my assistant's like, Oh my god, are you having a stroke? I'm like, oh, I think I am. And and I'm like, oh my god, I'm dying. And, and so it went from like zero to I'm dying very quick. And so he's like, I'll take you to the hospital. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm sure, you know. So next thing I you know, I'm I'm in the hospital and they're telling me you're stressed. And I'm like, okay. Well, this if I'm stressed, you know, that was the biggest false alarm. But they I that show had been so tough on me that I literally put myself in the hospital with anxiety and stress. And so the doctor said to me, he's like, listen, he's like, you need to, you need to take it easy. And so go home. I want you to sleep. I want you to tell your boss that you just need to like work just a little bit easier and, and calm down. And so I was like, okay. And so I went, I went home that night and I had cranked the AC up. Now we're in Florida, right? It's the middle of summer. And so I had cranked, all right cranked it down, I guess you could say. I cranked the AC to like 68 degrees because I would just come from the hospital and all I wanted to do was to be nice and comfortable in my room. And so um, this roommate comes home and she's like livid that the AC is rolling that low. And she's screaming at me and I'm telling her, I'm like, listen, you know, first of all, I pay one third of this bill. And if it's a little bit high, I'm happy to pay for the whole thing. I have the money. I said, I've been in the hospital. I just need to be comfortable. I'm just relaxing. You know, don't worry about it. But she was like gung ho on not, you know, letting down from her argument that I was going to make the power bill like ridiculous. And she's screaming at me and yelling at me and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know, I've had enough. So the next day I went into work and uh, I went to the production. I went to production. I was like, I got to get out of this apartment. I'm like this, this roommate that my roommate has this other girl living here, she is blown off the handle and now I don't feel comfortable. And so they're like, well, you know, um, we have been putting up the actors and some of the crew at this hotel and we have a room for the next three weeks that you can stay in. And so I was like, Oh, thank God. You know, like this sounds, this sounds amazing. So they're like, okay, it's, it's the Hollywood beach resort. And you know, everything in the, in the name of that sounded great. It's on the beach and it's a resort. I was like, lucky me. So, um, I ended up like going back and in the like dead and night moved my stuff out and so I ended up moving into this hotel. And so basically to kind of like give everybody an idea, this is uh not a resort, just so y'all know. Um, it is this old hotel. Uh a portion of the hotel is condos and then the I think it's probably I'm wrong, but I want to say like the Radisson or like I want to say, maybe it's not Radisson, but like a major chain owns a portion that like they have a portion of that hotel like sectioned off. So like, you know, floor one through three is designated hotel space. Um, so when I got in there and I, I went in, it's very opulent. It, it was built in the 1920s. I think it was 1925. It was built. Um, it's a beautiful hotel by, you know, design standards, but it's been absolutely let go. So when you walk in, um, I had checked in. I was like, oh, I'm with the production, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, well, we have a room for you. It's on the second floor. And they gave me the key and I get in the elevator and I go up to the second floor. And this is the grossest place I've ever like been in, in my life. Like <laughs> they, I opened the door to the room. It's white wicker furniture. It was two twin beds. Um, there was no sheets at all. Like you had to bring your own sheets. Um, the, everything was that white, um, nasty 1992 looking cabinet. Um, there, the the floor was like laminate, but it had been chipping. It just, it it was gross. Like it was like an off colored bluish turquoise so so that you couldn't see all the dirt and grime like down there. Like it was, it was pretty nasty, but I was thankful that I had, you know, a place to stay. And so, um, I moved into this place and I went down to target and I bought myself some sheets and I put it on the bed and, um, and you know, the first couple of nights I was there scared out of my mind. I will be honest with you. It was super uncomfortable in there. Um, you could hear everything happening in the hallway. I was pretty sure that I was living amongst murderers. I don't know, but it was, it was pretty sketchy. And so, um, my friend who, uh, I got him into the business and he's a very well-to-do cameraman. Um, he actually worked on ghost hunters, which is, makes this story really funny because he's afraid of ghosts and you, and yet he ended up working on the show and you'll understand why he's afraid of ghosts in a minute. But, um, he, he, uh, ended up like wanting to move into Miami too. And he said to me, he's like, let's get a place together. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that would be great. You know, like I need a place. So we ended up, we found this, um, apartment, but we couldn't move into it right away. And, uh, he was working on a TV show down in Miami. Um, and he's like, do you mind if I just like stay with you for a night or two? He's like, I I don't have anywhere to stay. And I got an early call time. I was like, yeah, I got two twin beds in this gross, nasty hotel room. Sure. I'm like, come hang out with me. I'm like, at least, you know, I won't be scared for one night. And so he's like, cool. So we went out to dinner and he came and, um, he, he's like, you know, and we ended up like going out, there's like a bar downstairs or whatever. And so we went down there, we got a drink and then, you know, went to bed and, and I had to, I had to leave early in the morning. And so I was out the door and I get the, and I get this text message from him at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And he's like, you didn't tell me about this hotel. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm never staying here ever again. He's like, forget it. He's like, he's like, you didn't warn me. He's like, you know how I feel about ghosts. I was like, Jimmy, I was like, how can you even possibly, you know, say that he's like, I woke up and every one of these cabinets was open. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, every one of the cabinets is open. He's like, I didn't open it. And so he's panicking. He's like in pure panic. I did not tell him that 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 place was haunted. I didn't think it was haunted. I mean, it was super sketchy and gross, but I that wasn't anything that was on my mind. And so now this is in my head. And I come back, he's not there, right? He he booted it out. And so um, I'm like, now I'm scared. Like, I'm really honest about it. I really was scared. I was like okay, well, what did he, I know him so well, and obviously whatever happened to him scared him enough that we wouldn't even stay with me another night. And so I went, you know, I, I, I would go to sleep and I would leave the TV on and I was really uncomfortable, but I never saw anything. I never heard anything. Um, I would wake up, the cabinets would never be open. Like it was just normal, but it was just, it was, it was a very creepy place. And so at the end of the couple of weeks that we were there um, or I was there at least. So now it's time the show's over and we're moving into this apartment. And so I called my mom. She was like, mom, you know, will you come up and help me do this? And she was like, sure. And I was like, you can stay with me in my awesome hotel room. And she's like, okay. So she came up and um, she ended up staying with me. And so she moved her stuff in and, and, You know, this is the first night. And so like, I think she was, I think she stayed with me only two nights. The first night, nothing happened. Um, I don't even remember anything from that night, but the second night she, so basically we had decided to like go to bed early. Um, because the next morning we were going to get, I think the U-Haul or something to like get my stuff to bring it, um, to the apartment. So My mom, the thing about my mom is, is like, my mom sleeps like she's dead. So like when she lays in bed, she lays on her back and then she's out cold, but she looks like she's dead. Like you'd have to like, you know, make sure she's still alive or something. She's like, she's done. She doesn't snore. She doesn't, she's just out. And so I'm like in bed, I have the TV on, it's on real low. And I finally like doze off. And all of a sudden I just hear this door slam shut out in the hallway and just down the hall, like somebody was running down the hall. And I popped out of bed and you know, I don't know what possessed me, but I ran to the door to look through the eye hole and I just saw this like black just silhouette like fly by the the door. And I opened the door, get the chain off of it, open the door real quick, and I see like just this black mm-hmm, it was like a, it was, it was so quick. Like I couldn't tell you if it was a mist or if it was a shadow or if it was an actual person, but whatever it was, it was so quick. And I just caught the tail end of it going down the stairwell. And so my mom jumps out of bed. She's like, why would you do that? That's dangerous. You don't know. Somebody could have been, you know, fighting out there and and you would have been in trouble because my mom's like that. And so I shut the door and I was like, "Well, I wanted to see what was going on." I was like, "I have been staying here for three weeks. I've never heard that commotion before." And she's like, "Yeah, well, just shut the door and, and lock it and go back to bed." She's like, "I don't like this place. When we have to leave here in the morning, we're out." And so I was like, "Okay, drama queen." So she <laughs> she goes back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, she goes back to sleep. I can't really go. I can't go to sleep now because now my heart's racing. I'm like, "What was that about?" You know. And so I'm laying in bed and. I think my mom had been asleep at least an hour and all of a sudden my mom rises up. Okay. Like it's the weird, I have to describe it in the way, like, have you ever seen somebody like they they're laying flat and they rise up, but like they're, they're not supporting their body. They just rise into a sitting position. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. She sits up and she points her finger straight in front of her and she goes in the name of Jesus, you get out of this room right now. And she's, but she's not a, she's not awake. Right. And I'm looking at her and I'm a like, mom. And she's like, in the name of Jesus, I told you, you get out of here right now. And I'm like looking at her, I'm like, mom, mom. And she's not responding to me. And, and she's got her finger and she's pointing and she's like, Jesus name out. And then she like snapped to it and she looked over at me and I was like, mom, what are you doing? And she's like, you didn't see it. I was like, see what? I just saw you sit up in bed like a weirdo and point at something. And she's like, you didn't see what I just saw. And I was like, no. And she's like, go back to bed. She goes in the morning, packing our stuff and we're getting out of here. And so now, you know, that made it worse. And so, you know, she goes back to sleep and like an infant, she's asleep in two seconds. So now I'm like, have to like sit there and think about what I just saw. And so finally, like I fall asleep and the next morning I wake up and she's frantically packing and like, are you, she says to me, she goes, get in the shower, get in the shower now, we got to go. And I'm like, mom, I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, what happened last night? She goes, I want to talk about it. And I was like, well, you have to talk about, it. you have to tell me what's going on. She goes, I, first of all, I did not appreciate the ruckus. Okay. That's how my mom talks. All right. And I was like, what are you talking about? The ruckus. And she's like, a party going on. I was like, party. I was like, mom, Hollywood beach has this like mandatory, um, curfew. Like there, what do you mean party? And she's like, there was some sort of, party going on and she goes and i i got up and i looked out the window and it stopped and i was like what do you mean she's like well i heard the music going on and she's like i don't know what it was they were having some sort of themed party i was like what do you mean themed?" she's like you know like 1920s themed party i'm like well what would make you think that and so i'm like I, now i'm like grilling her right because she's talking to me in like this weird code and so i'm like mom just tell me what are you talking about she's like i was sitting in bed and she's like you were out cold and she's like i would i started to hear this music and she's like it was like real low and then it would rise and she's like i'm like that's i'm like that's what you heard and she goes yeah she goes it would go she goes it was on a loop And she's like, so it would get a little bit louder and a little bit louder and then a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And she's like, and then she said that she would open the blinds and look outside and she saw nothing. And all of a sudden it just stopped. And she said that she would then go back to bed and fall asleep. And then she would get woken up by the music again. And. Of course, I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, well, what time did this happen? And she was like, well, you know, like, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, was this before or after you? I'm like, so this is basically like after you did that weird thing where you pointed. She's like, well, about that. She's like, I saw a shadow man standing over the bed. And she's like, and obviously there's a demon in here and I did not want to be here anymore. And I was like, okay, you're, I'm like, mom, you're hearing music outside, but I don't know what that's about. And now you're telling me that you saw a shadow man standing over your bed? And she's like, yep. She's like, it was a demon. I know it. And I told him in the name of Jesus to leave. And she said, he did. I watched him. He walked through the wall. I was like, oh my God. So I'm like, I got all this information that is way too much for me. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go check out. So I go downstairs and I go down to the desk and I said to the lady at the front desk, I was like, so I was like, what's with the party that was last night. I was like, my mom just been complaining about it. And she's like, what party? I was like the party. I'm like, that was, you know, right by our window. And she's like, well, um, there's no party. She's like, we have a curfew. It's very strict. She's like, Tim, what time did this happen? I was like, I don't know, like nine, ten o'clock at night. And she's like, No. She's like, um, uh, there's no party. And she's like, what are you where are you staying again? I was like, I'm on the second floor. She's like, Which room are you in? And I you know, I don't remember the room number now. But um, she uh um she says she looks at me kind of perplexed and she's like you know, that room is right over the old ballroom. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, what's there now? She's like, it's abandoned. There's nothing in there. And um, I was like, okay. And she's like, you wouldn't be the first guest to talk about this. She's like, you know, this hotel has a reputation. And I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm pretty sure what you heard was the the people that used to live here. And used to come here she goes because this this hotel has a reputation for having ghosts i was like okay
0: so clearly she <laughs> wasn't say, trying right. s- she wasn't trying to sell you on coming back that's for sure
1: well she like the whole thing was like so bizarre to begin with like here i have two separate things happening i have my mom's crazy like pointing at this demon that she saw and i i saw that happen but then she's telling me that she's waking up in the middle of the night and she's seeing, you know, she's hearing ghost music. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to be delicate about it because like, I didn't want to be that person that came downstairs and was like, Hey, is this place haunted? You know, like I, I'm interested in the subject, but at the same time, I like, you know, wanted, you have to understand that um, they very much knew who I, I was with this production. So it wasn't like I was like hotel guest 5,000, you know what I mean? That they wouldn't know. They knew that I was one of like eight people staying there. And so I just didn't want them to be like, hey, weirdo, you know, but, um, but yeah. So I ended up like going back upstairs and I told my mom and I was just like, you know, they say that this apparently happens all the time. I'm like, you know, right downstairs is where that ballroom used to be. And I was like, me, hey, mom, you used to, you heard some ghost stuff. I'm like, and you saw a ghost last night. And she's like, oh, I did not. I was, I was like, well, mom, you just got them telling me about the, about this black shadow figure that you saw. And she's like, well, it was a demon. She's like, I saw a demon. And I was like, well, what about the music? And she's like, well, the, it was a party. She's like, I'm like, mom, there was no party. I'm like, I'm telling you right now that you had in a paranormal exper- experience. And I'm like, you need to accept it. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, you, because my mom is a big, my mom is one of those people, for those of you who don't know, she is um, one of those Christians that it is, that world doesn't exist, period. You know, there's demons, um, but ghosts, no, they don't happen, they don't exist, everything is a demon. And so for my mom to have a paranormal experience like that, she was in shutdown mode. And so she's like, I will not talk about it anymore. I'm done. We're going. And so the whole time we're in the car and we're driving, she's just like, will not like look at me. And she's just looking at the road. And I'm like, I'm giddy now because now I'm excited. I'm like, here I, you know, I, I had been talking about this. And ever since my experience out in Los Angeles, I was starting to like be more aware of the paranormal. And so I was like, oh, man, mom finally had this experience, too. Like, this is amazing. But she she basically told me in the car that day, she goes, we don't talk about it anymore. It never happened. Don't you ever bring it up to me. What I saw was a demon. And I I don't want to ever go back to that place and shut it down she's still to this day. If I go and I start, I'm like, Hey mom, you remember that time that you saw a ghost? She would be like, Nope, never.
0: Hey, you remember when you saw that, when you saw that ghost mom? Nope. But I remember when I saw that demon, you know, <laughs> it's just, uh... well,
1: you know what I mean? Like going, it's very, I, I feel like it's patchy for those who don't understand, but like when I was a kid, my mom, basically my mom went through this phase kind of like when she was a new Christian that everything was, just so extreme and she she got involved in uh different churches, but she there was this one particular church that she got into, and they were very evangelical i mean like extremely evangelical um and she just i feel like my mom. Um, my mom's very closed off about things like that. Like she, she's a very spiritual person. She's a born again, Christian. She's a good woman. She has a good heart, but my mom was just one of those people who took religion almost to the extreme. So, you know, as a kid, I had a lot of things happen to me, which, you know, I, I didn't understand them at the time. And I think that my mom was probably what was causing it because there was a lot of, Spiritual warfare going on in my house when I was a child. And so, this incident, from it to happen to my mom and the way that I witnessed it, the music aside, I think the music is great. And I think it was that that's a part of the, the whole experience and the story that makes it so exciting because it wasn't like just that figure by itself, but it was like, you know, I think my mom experienced two different things happening, at, you know, that were unrelated. But, um, You know, for her to go through it, and she, my mom, like I know she's like like reevaluating everything she believes in because she she shut down, even to this day. So I think it was amazing because, um, you know, she couldn't write off the music as as a demon. I I can understand her being like, oh, the shadow figure. You know, that's something that's totally different. But the fact that she heard the music and she was looking outside and then it was stopped as soon as she would look, um. It it was amazing. And of course, you know, like as soon as this happened, I was fascinated and I went back. We were done with the show, but um, I ended up actually getting on another job, which was the same production company. And then they were doing another TV show. And so a couple of the crew members that worked with me on the previous show, went to the new show and they had, they were staying in the hotel too. And they told me after I talked about this, they were like, Oh, you know, apparently up on the seventh floor, there's all kinds of activity. And so the, um, the dot coordinator, the transpo coordinator, she said to me that she was down at the bar drinking with one of the ladies who lived there. And she talked about how she was in her apartment, having a glass of wine with her friend. And all of a sudden her friend turned white. And she's like, there was a boy that just ran through your apartment. And she's telling me about this. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. She's like, a boy ran through her apartment and through the wall. Like, nothing. And apparently this happens up on the seventh floor all the time. So, like, after I did, like, after I ended up staying there, I did the research. And sure enough, if you go online and you look up the Hollywood Beach Resort, apparently this activity happens all the time. You couldn't pay me to stay in that hotel again. And I'm somebody that likes this sort of thing. Obviously, we're talking on a podcast about it. But after that, I would no, you could not pay me like that was the scariest three weeks of my life. And then watching my own mother's Sit up in bed and point at something I couldn't see that she could see and tell it in the name of Jesus to get out. I was like, "No, thank you, I'm done."
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely creepy. I I, I think anybody who were to sit up in bed, I think actually when I was when I was younger in my early twenties, me and Lindsay had just gotten married. I used to have like weird sleep episodes where I would actually uh, wake up in my sleep. Like I would be still asleep, but I'd be doing something in my sleep, like kind of like sleepwalking. Uh, but to the extreme sometimes, and it would freak out Lindsay. Like the one time I was, I I hate snakes. Anybody who knows me knows I hate snakes. Uh, and I was having a bad dream about snakes and I opened my eyes in my dream and I saw, we had this piping going across our apartment, uh, bedroom, you know, it was ghetto apartment. And, uh, it was there. I saw a snake wrapped around the, the piping of, on the ceiling. And I'm a newlywed. And I think I see a snake wrapped around the piping in, in my, my bedroom. I jump out of my bed and I run out of the bedroom. And Lindsay's freaking out. She's like, why, why, why? So here I am just leaving my wife behind to, <laughs> to get you know oh hypothetically <laughs> eaten by the snake. But I did that stuff all the time. I was always freaking her out in my sleep. But the thing is with you, your mom wasn't sleeping. She was awake and very, very aware of what she was seeing and uh that, that's it's got to be freaky definitely got to be freaky
1: yeah it was freaky because i didn't see what she was seeing but she pointed at it with so much authority and i think that that's the part that scared me the most is that the authority that came out of her mouth you know um honestly i i've years and years of thinking of this i just i don't sometimes i mean i always i am well traveled and i've work in the industry with people who are Republicans and Democrats, people of all different belief systems, people come from all different backgrounds. So like, I'm very, you know, I live in New York City, so I'm very cultured. Um, But I sometimes feel like I don't understand how people don't believe in God because I don't ever hear of someone saying in the name of Buddha, you leave, and this entity like, is afraid and does it. Yeah. You know, Somehow the power of Jesus Christ scares the living tar out of whatever is happening, and I witnessed it. And to watch my mom with that much authority command whatever what she was seeing leave, that was the part that scared me the most. It wasn't, you know, the thought of what was in the room. It was what what compelled her so much to command it to leave, you know. And she's kind of in this trance, too, was also weird. And the way she sat up in bed was kind of like straight out of a horror movie. But, um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, I had already become so interested in it because of what I saw when I lived in L.A. And that moment really turned – that was – the turning point for me and becoming interested and wanting to know what this was and where it fit um into my belief system into you know and I started I've always kind of felt like I was a little sensitive um I had a lot of things happen like I said as a kid you know that I didn't quite know where to place it um especially having such a religious mother but um it was it, it was really um a turning point for me so it's it's kind of one of the reasons why I became so interested in the paranormal and kind of like now it's like, obviously like listening to your podcast and listening to others I just can't get enough because I I've experienced these things and I want to know more. I want to know what I'm seeing. Really? I guess, you know, you kind of don't know, but, um,
0: yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I just had, uh, somebody, uh, she, she's a news anchor and she was talking to me, uh, about Bigfoot stuff this week. And she asked me what Bigfoot, what I thought Bigfoot was and it's my common answer for a lot of things, not even just Bigfoot, but my first answer to everybody is, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> I have my... I have, you know... Wait, that's my initial answer, and then you have your own thoughts and opinions once you start you know taking account of everybody's descriptions of what they're seeing but uh bottom line is we really don't know a whole lot about what's going on in this paranormal universe that we live in, and uh it it's yeah. it's definitely it's definitely interesting uh but anybody who says that they think they have it all pegged down, I think they're fooling themselves because. It, there's just so many questions so many questions with it and you mentioned early you know quite a few times during the interview that you've had a lot of different experiences when you were younger uh, i know you said one in the email could you share that story about with the devonic voice
1: oh yeah so when i was i was probably in my early teens um i had stayed home sick from school and i say sick with air quotes <laughs> because i was one of those kids that just like would wake up and be like <laughs> don't feel good but um i had had pulled that on my mom that day and um so my mom being being the religious person that she was there was one show that she would never let us watch and that was jerry springer and so i loved watching jerry springer because of all the burns that came at the end like i always thought that that was so great when the audience would like just be like you know random burns so um i was sitting on the couch and I had the TV on mute. And so I didn't want her to know that I was watching it, but I had the the captions on and I was reading it. And of course she's in the kitchen and the way that my house was set up was, is that the dining area was kind of like in this nook that hung out by the pool. So she was in there paying bills and her back was towards the television. So she couldn't see what I was doing. And so she knew I was in there and she knows watching TV, but she didn't know what I was watching. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I heard this deep, gruddle, like growling guttural voice. And it was in a language that I, t- I couldn't even tell you it was. all I can do is mimic it. And I know I'm going to sound stupid, but for the sake of everybody I understand it, it was like, like that. And it was in my ear so much that it, I could feel the breath. And I was like, mom, did you hear that? And she goes, she's like, what? You know, she like, I was like, you didn't hear that? She's like, hear what? She's like, what are you doing? And I, of course, you know, now I'm like freaking out. And so I'm like trying to change the channel. Like, are you watching Jerry Springer? And of course I got in trouble for watching it. And then, you know, the inc- the incident came and went, but I like will never forget that feeling. It scared the living daylights out of me. And to feel the breath in my ear was the worst part about it, but she didn't hear it. And I mean, there was, and it was so loud and it was so deep that, I don't know how she didn't hear it unless it, you know, I'm the only one who heard it. It was somehow only audible to me.
0: That's incredible. I mean, when you mimicked that voice, my eyes got huge. I was like, holy crap, that would, that would be incredibly scary. Now, with, with what you just, you know, imitated, is that close to the, you know, verbiage that it used? Or is that just like... It, or do you not remember exactly no, what it I, sounded like? I
1: don't remember. No, I don't remember what it said, but I came from a family where my, like I told you, my mom, she, she got into evangelicalism. So like, she would take us to these churches where they would just speak in tongues. And the only thing that I can explain is that it sounded like that, like, you know, and maybe it wasn't, I, you know, I don't know. It could have been Latin for all I know. It could have been any kind of language. It certainly wasn't English. the only thing that I could equate it to is, is it sounds like tongues.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: And you know, and it was like, there were things that happened all the time when I was a kid that, you know, we had, um, we had a collie and it was my dog, but she would always sleep on the bed and I would believe the hall light on because I was constantly uncomfortable. Like as soon as my mom gave her life to Christ, Um, and she started, you know, ramping up this whole, you know, um, you know, constantly reading her Bible. She'd sit in her room and she would speak in tongues and she'd pray and she was going through, um, she was going through a hard time. You know, she's at, at the time she was how old I am now. And so she was going through some tough times with my dad. It was before my dad gave his life to Christ. And so she was, she was praying for him and there was just, I think that there, like I said, there was a lot of spiritual warfare going. And I think that, you know, my dad, um, was a company man. He was a CEO and he would, you know, he was really into work and he, um, he, my dad was not an alcoholic, but my dad would socially drink. And so my mom, my mom would just be praying for him and she would be so just like intense about it. Um, and honestly, I, I really believe, and she does not agree with me because if she heard me on talking about this right now, she'd be livid with me because, my opinion is, is that there was a spiritual warfare going on in that house, and it was good versus evil. It was my mother combating the demons I feel that were trying to attack her as a new Christian. And so I would be laying in bed, and my dog would get up, and her hair would stand straight up, and she'd just growl, growl so much at the door. And it would scare me. And I was a couple of times that I woke up with sleep paralysis, like where I was frozen and I couldn't move. And it was frightening. It only happened to me like twice, you know, at the most. Um, But it it was just frightening. And I remember like she went one time um, for a run and she came back. She's like, I saw an angel and just like things like that, you know, like um, it just was very intense for a very long time. So I think, I think that, that is a lot of the reason why later in life, um, after I had my own experiences and I saw, you know, like these things with physically seeing that woman in the hotel and then watching my mother command that spirit to leave um, really proved to me that these things that were going on, you know, have some validity to them. You know what I mean? Like is there, there is a spiritual world that exists That I'm fascinated with, but at the same time, I know I shouldn't be fascinated with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like your mom, you know, became a Christian later, a little bit later in life than some people. Uh, They always say that by the time somebody turns 17, 18 years old, uh, the chances of them, you know, following a specific uh, path of faith whether it's christianity muslim or whatever uh is very s- slim of them changing their direction after they're 18 i guess you know that I, I don't know why i'm sure there's philosophy behind it but uh my point in saying that is you know i guess you saw your mom become a christian uh and th- was that like um an odd experience for you. Is that something that was that something that was like a like a turn off for you, or were you kind of confused by it? And then like her her radicalism with her faith. Uh, w- was there ever a time that you you um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, w- w- was it uh, a was it a smooth transition for you as a kid seeing that, or was it hard for you to accept because maybe that plays into your experiences?
1: Well, I think it does. Honestly, I think you, your your evaluation of it is true because. Um, I, first of all, my mom, my mom will will tell, if my mom were here, she would say, I've always been a Christian, but it's not true. I think that my mom gave her life to Christ and she became literally the definition of being born again. My mother transitioned into a totally different type of believer. So, you know, I, she, I'm too young to have a say in anything. You know what I mean? Like my brother and I, we got dragged to every church in the whole entire city because my mom, my mom would go to a church. She'd like be there for a month and then she'd get into an argument with somebody or she'd be like, this church is, you know, a bunch of hypocrites. And then she would leave and go to another church. And we church hopped. And so, um, well, what happened for me is, is my mother found comfort through the turbulence of her own marriage Um, my parents are still married by the way. They, my dad gave his life to Christ. My dad's a different person, but, um, my parents have been married. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm 35. I think my parents have been married almost 40 years, but, um, you know, early on, um, there was a lot going on and religion gave my mother comfort and that helped her through. But for me as an individual, I was dragged through this whole thing. And, I wanted, ever since I was a kid, to be in the film business. Um, I knew deep down inside that was my purpose, and I knew that that was, I I, I needed to do it. I needed to fulfill that. Um, And so I remember one of the churches that we ended up staying at for a very long time, they had a youth group. And there was, it was, I was in the sixth grade and I remember this because, um, it was new and I had just come out from being in elementary school. So I was going to like the middle school youth, like hip, cool kids, youth group. And so we were all sitting around and the, um, the youth pastor said, you know, what does everybody want to do with their life? Blah, 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 blah. And they got around to me and I said, oh, I want to, I want to work in the film industry. And they're like in the secular world. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like to me, I was just like, "What do you mean?" And um, they're like, "Well, you want to make Christian movies, right?" And I was like, "No, I want to make Star Wars, and I want to, you know, like, you know, I w- I, I wanted to make those type of movies." And um, and they were like, "Well, that's that's not." godly. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't understand. I was like, this is that I'm like, I don't think that just because I'm a Christian that I have to make Christian content. Um, And they're like, well, that's the secular world. I mean, you should and they got in this big argument with me. And I was like, no I I I put my foot down I was like no I was like there are Christians that work in the film industry you don't have to be uh an ungodly person to be in this business I'm like they're not all horrible people they're not you know all liberals like my dad would say everybody in in Hollywood's a liberal you know and so yeah um I'm a liberal so like my dad's always like you you know you people and so um but um It was it was heartbreaking to me, and so I felt that in that moment I felt like I didn't belong. You know, I didn't fit, and I was different. And so I had this battle my from that point forward with religion. I always felt like like they were always pointing their finger at me, telling me that I couldn't possibly be a Christian to their standards because of the life that I envisioned for myself, and so. Um, I think that that, that does maybe play a role in it. And you know what I mean? And honestly, and you and I have talked about this, um, I have experienced things that my mother has not experienced. My mom, my mom comes from a different time. You know what I mean? Like she, uh, grew up you know, with a, with an idea that you are a good wife and you raise your family and your my mother never had a job. My mom's job was to raise her kids and and that was the life that she chose me. On the other hand, I wanted to go to California and I wanted to work in show business and I travel the world. I go, you know, I go probably somewhere three, four times a year. I spend my money on experiences. I don't, I don't, I'm not a homeowner live in New York city. I pay, you know, gobs and gobs of money and rent but you know this is the life for me that's fulfilling so you know we're very different people and i think that you know the turning point was is um when i i stumbled upon gary wayne and hearing kind of like how the bible um translates into all the things that i feel like i understand but my mother would always be like the demon or you know it's demonic. Or you can't, you know, watch that because this or that, or, you know, how the, my, I would argue with my mom about the Bible constantly and be like, you know, that mom explained this to me. It doesn't make sense to me in the real world. And she, my mom's idea of everything out of the Bible was, is well scripture, you know, that's what God, it, that's the truth is because that's scripture and it never explained it to me. And I would say things to her like, well, okay, mom, you know, well, I saw a ghost. I saw it. And explain it to me. Well, it's a demon. Well, it didn't look like a demon. She looked like a blonde-headed 12-year-old or 13-year-old. So explain to me what I saw. And she's like, well, it's a demon. So it was very hard for me to kind of like agree with her for a very long time because like I just felt like everything that I believed in, every every experience that I had, here I am. I'm a Christian. I gave my life to Christ, but none of it fits the way that my mother's. Relationship and belief system fit.
0: Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, I think a lot of I'm times. Sorry if I rambled. No, it's fine. I, I was just sitting there listening. And uh, I think there's a lot of times that people, that everybody, listen, for instance, you got of the Christian faith, you have Baptists, Pentecostals, e- Evangelicals, uh, Foursquare, uh, you have all these different denominations of Christianity. And why is that? Because there's a lot of Christians that read the same book and they get something different out of it and they view it different ways. You know, All the Christians, they they all fall underneath the same umbrella. Christian, meaning they believe in Jesus Christ, they believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that He became a human, walked the earth perfectly, died on the cross for our sins, rose in three days, walked among us, ascended into heaven. All those Christians believe that. All of them. But when it comes to uh, different theological things, they have different opinions. And so that's why, that's why there's so many freaking denominations, which I'm very, uh, I get very frustrated with sometimes because, uh, it's sometimes you, you see Christians seeming to be more, um, devoted to their denomination than they are to the idea of being a Christian. And <laughs> that can be uh, a frustrating thing. So I totally get what you're talking about, because your mom sees things a different way than you do. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where y- you have to go on this this quest of for truth uh, on your own. And you know, you mentioned Gary Wayne. Gary Wayne has helped a lot of people make sense of their own personal experiences that they had in their life, or the way they are viewing things, and nobody else seems to be. Because Gary Wayne talks about things that you don't really hear in church. You know, you're not going to hear a lot of the things that he talks about preached from the, the the typical pulpit at a church, but the things that he talks about really helps people uh, make sense of things in a way where they feel comfortable. They're like, okay, I'm not crazy. I am a Christian. And it's okay that I'm thinking some of these things and uh, that I, I've seeing things a certain way. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from you, right?
1: Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's very easy to go down the rabbit hole, which we don't have time for. But it, it's really, you know, the whole thing with Sasquatch is like a whole separate issue. But it goes back to it. Like, you know, the whole thing with Gary Wayne explaining kind of how possibly that could even fit into this Um, and dealing with the Nephilim and, and, and demons and basically like the rebellion and all that stuff. It really opened my eyes about what kind of world we're living in. And I, um, it's tough because I have to tell you that like, one of the things that upsets me more than anything is when people are like, Hollywood is corrupting us or this, that, and the other. And, you know, there are a lot of people that work in the business that are like me, you know, maybe we don't go to work every day and and tell everybody with fanfare that we are Christians. Um, But there are a lot of people, there are good people, you know, the family people and they're Democrats and Republicans. There's gays and straights. I mean, the the industry is so diverse. Um, And, you know, the, The fact is, is that I think that all of us go to work every day and we just hope that all the hours that we put in, that even if we do make something, it brings somebody a little bit of joy. You know, nothing for me is, is makes me happier than when I go to a movie that I worked on and I'm sitting there in the theater and the credits roll and people stay and watch them. They don't know those people. You know what I mean? but that they stay and they watch the credits or that they get up and they say to whoever they're with, wow, that movie was awesome. It's like, oh, great. You know, that three months where I was getting yelled at every single day and I was working 14 hours, you know, and I wanted to like go home and die. At least it was worth it. You know, that you enjoyed the movie, that you enjoyed the TV show, that, you know, the person that comes home every night at nine o'clock flips on their TV and watches that show for an hour that takes them out of their day. And I worked on that. That makes me feel good. And I think that there are, I just, it's important that people know that there are good people that work in the business and there's not always this agenda. And if there is an agenda, which I'm all about believing in, because I'm a conspiracy person, I love a good conspiracy, (laughs) but I do believe that, you know what I mean? There is evil in this world and there are evil people. You know what I mean? We all have read the stories about Harvey Weinstein and all these people out there that do those things and they exist underneath it there are still good people you
0: know yeah i i can't say it any better than you did there I, and i i really wanted you to get into a story and do, if you have time we can do it now if not we'll bring you back another time but i really want to hear about when you got chased out of area 51 do you have time for that oh or my no? god it's so
1: it's so stupid but um, <laughs> i gotta yeah, hear it so, okay so um when I was, I'll make it really quick. But when I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, my favorite TV show was the X-Files. Okay. So I was, this is like the, why I'm a, i am I like paranormal stuff. So, um, the X-Files was like, I was one of those weirdo fan people that probably if, if I were that show we're on now and I would be that kid that goes to comic-con and like stocks David the company. Like, that's how bad I love the X-Files. <laughs> and so we went on this family vacation in Las Vegas. And of course my dad, um, my dad's rule was, is everybody gets to choose something to do. And so my mom was like, okay, we want to go. I want to go to the grand Canyon. We did. We went to the grand Canyon. My brother's like, I want to do this or whatever. And my turn. And I was like, Hey, we need to go area 51 and of course my my parents are like that's not you can't go to area 51 i'm like i'm like yes you can i saw it on the x-files i'm like there's this little town called rachel and there's this there's this little tiny restaurant called the little alien and i said they you know because i don't even know if they filmed an episode of the x-files there to be honest with you but 12 year old kristen was convinced that that happened so i was like they filmed an episode there and this is where all the aliens are and we're going to go there. And of course my dad was like, okay, you know, everybody load in the car adventure time. And so we went and we drove to this little town, Rachel. And when I tell you town, it's like population four and a half, maybe because wow. there's a baby. Like, it's like the guy who owns the owns the bar, his wife, their daughter and this kid like that lived in this town. And so you go and it's like a trailer slash restaurant on the side of the road. It says little alien. I even have a picture. And actually the picture was in a TV show that I worked on because that is a really cool Easter egg, you know, for anybody that wants to know. But um, so anyway, we took this picture in front of it and um, uh, we went in, inside and the whole entire restaurant is covered in photos of alleged UFOs. That they have taken pictures of out the back. And so it sits right off of um, Nellis Air Force Base, which is Area 51. And so um, we went in there and they're like, how can we help you? You know, clearly four touristy looking people in there. And I went up there, I was like, did they film the X-Files in there? And they're like, yep, they were here. And she she points to the back, she's like, see that picture right there? And it was a picture of the owner and, you know, David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson. And uh, I was like, cool, and you know, and I was like, well, how do you get to Area 51? And she's like, well, you got to go down the street, and then the mailbox is there. And I think it's called, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared to tell the story, so I didn't do my research, but I'm pretty sure it's called the black mailbox. But I think it's a white mail Anyway, it's like one of those things where it's either black and it's actually white, or they call it the white mailbox is actually black. I want to say that I think it's white, and they call it black mailbox, but. Anyway, they told us about this mailbox and they're like, you go down and then you see, you know, this stretch of highways called the extraterrestrial Hot highway, but there's a lot of nothing. And then you come across this mailbox and you're going to make a right at there. You're going to go down this dirt road and then you're going to, you're going to keep going for like two miles. And then you're going to come to a sign that says, do not cross as we will shoot. Don't cross. And I was like, dad we have to do this and my dad's like okay you know because like he my dad (laughs) thought the whole thing was tomfoolery like he was just like going to make my day he was like this is stupid but this is what she wants to do and so my brother is like four years younger than me my brother's like let's go find aliens and I was like yeah and so my mom's like okay whatever so everybody we piled in the car And sure enough, we left and we were driving down the road and driving is in the middle of the desert. Okay. So there's a whole lot of nothing. And, um, we come across, sure enough, there's this mailbox and my dad's like, this is it. And we turned and we went down. So now we're on a dirt road and we kept going and, you know, it felt like you're going forever, but you know, you're only supposed to go like 30 miles an hour. So, you know, it's two miles in and sure enough, you weave and wind and you come up to a a sign and a barbed wire fence. And it says, this is federal land or something to that effect. And it says, you are being, you are, you are now under surveillance. If you cross here, you will be shot. And so we're, my family is the biggest bunch of weirdos. We're all like, whoa, cool. And like, you know, whipping out our little disposable cameras and taking pictures And, um, I went to get out of the car and my mom's like, get back in the car. Don't you get out of the car. And my dad's like, you seen it? You seen it? That's enough. And so, um, my brother rolls down the window. He's like, whoa, check that out. And he's like, look up there. And there was this white Jeep sitting up on the Ridge. And, um, of course, you know, like this is like straight out of an episode of the X-Files. So I'm like, this is cool. I'm like, look, they're watching us. This is proof of alien life. I'm like, see, because they're trying to keep us out. And so, you know, we're watching now. My mom's like getting nervous, right? And she's like, we're not supposed to be here. This is still an Air Force base. I'm like, she's like, you know, they don't want us here. Obviously, this time she's like, you've seen it. Now we're going to leave. And so I'm like, Dad, no, no, no. Stay, stay. And so we're looking, and all of a sudden, the two agents get out of the car and they take their guns out and they point them at us and they were rifles and i was like oh my god look what they are doing my dad freaked out he's like get in the car and we're you know we're already in the car anyway so like we're like we're already in the car and he's like get it roll up the window and so he's like rolling up my brother's window he's peeling out there's smoke going everywhere because you know it's all dirt road and he's going down and they followed us like they came down the road and it's this white jeep it had you know I couldn't see any plates on it. I mean, maybe it did, maybe a government place, but I mean, it, we were in a full fledged chase and they were, we were, my dad was booking it down this road with the cars bouncing all over the place. Cause coming down, it, it only went like maybe like 15, 30 miles an hour max. And my dad was flooring it doing like 40, 50 going out. And so they chased us all the way to the road. And as soon as my dad got on the highway and sped down that they they'd, like we, they were no longer in view, but like it, it like scared the living tar out of us. And of course, I'm in the back going, This is awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> and my mom's crying. Like now, my mom's got tears coming down. She's like, This is, I can't believe you. And so now it's dark, right? So we've spent all day going up there, and, and now we got to go back to Las Vegas. And from Rachel to Las Vegas, there's nothing, like absolutely nothing. Anybody who lives in Nevada will be able to like confirm this. And so we're driving and all of a sudden, like there's like this light that appears and it's like pulsating green and red. And I think white, there was like green, red, white, green, red, white. And I was like, look at that. And my mom's like, it's just an ambulance. And I'm like, no, there's nothing, mom, we're in the middle of the desert. There's nothing out there. I was like, look at that. And next thing, it blinked out. And then there was this, because there was a sunroof in the car and we were looking up through the sunroof and all of a sudden there, was this white light was up in the sky and it would like blink and then it would move and then it would dart over here and then it would blink out and then it would move and then it would dart over here. And I'm like, now I'm scared. And I'm like, oh my God. And my dad being my dad goes, Let's stop and pull over and look at it. <laughs> and I'm now my mom is hysterically crying. I'm hysterically crying. My brother is laughing because he knows my dad's messing with me at this point because they all think I'm full of crap, right? So I'm in the back, hysterically crying. I'm like, fire in the sky. I had just watched this movie. so I was like, fire in the sky, fire in the sky. We're going to die. They're coming for us. And so I was like, please don't pull over. Please don't pull over. I'm like, just go to Vegas. Just keep going. And my dad's like, I'm pulling over. He's like, we're going to get out and watch it. And he didn't end up doing that. We went, but my mom was screaming at him the whole time. She's like, she's like, oh my God, why did we do this? I can't believe it. They, we're, they probably have our faces on file now. like." You know, so that was us getting chased out of Area 51. It sounds a way more than dramatic, but it was probably because I'm the contributor to the drama.
0: Really. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. a great story. I love it. I love it. I I've never been out there and stuff, but I've heard different stories and that's just fantastic. A whole family on a field trip getting chased by by this vehicle and the guns and oh man. Yeah. That was great. Thanks oh, for yeah. telling that. <laughs>
1: My mom, my mom still to this day like laughs at me about it you know because she doesn't believe in any of that stuff so you know if you ask my mom what aliens is what, what is she going to tell you they're demons right so you know she's like it's not po-, this is what she would say it's not possible Kristen, to be abducted because you're a child of god you know what i mean so like that's what she would tell us all the time <laughs> you know what i mean but like yeah. after you just watched like close encounters and fire in the sky and you know i'm like a kid and i'm just like you know okay those demons look like pretty convincing that they took you know travis walton away but um yeah so that was that's the i'm telling you everybody always says christine has such a dramatic life but you know i work in show business so i feel like i i have the right to have a little bit of some drama right yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) drama queen <laughs>
1: yeah right but oh. it was it was definitely a lot of fun for sure
0: yeah it definitely sounds like it I mean yeah it's just it sounds like you've had an interesting life and it sounds like it's just a lot of fun but uh I tell you what Kristen I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories and stuff I think it was a fantastic time and I really appreciate you coming on
1: well thank you for having me I hope uh, everybody enjoyed it mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with a friend. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't care how, but if you like the show, the best thing you can do to help support the show is share it with other people that you think will enjoy it as well. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye.
1: still talking about drugs, saying feels like heaven coming, feel like us All my friends are out drinking us dry, staying up till 7, still on a bus I wanna taste the honey, it feels like it's real but I can't be sure Now my eyes are bloody No idea what I'm looking for They're all losing their minds Behind the closed doors There's plenty to hide It never ends and they never know why Why they still wake up unsatisfied We're all waking up unsatisfied I wanna taste the honey It feels like it's real but joy sure. now that I eyes-
0: Kevin, come and feel like
1: I. I
0: I it. i I wanna taste
1: the heart. It feels like it's real, but I can't be sure.